There was a sound in the language heard in heaven that was brought down into you and was edifying you. So you're walking into a tense situation. You're walking into a tense conversation. You're confused. You're depressed. You lack something. And to speak in tongues, you begin to edify yourself. You begin to build yourself up. You begin to strengthen yourself in a language, in a whole different language that you can barely understand. Now, somebody who grew up really, really poor, you know, a lot of our parents grew up during the Depression, right? We had the Depression-era mindset. And if you grew up poor, you learn a language of poverty that no matter how much wealth you have, unless you break through that thinking, you do what? You still think like a poor person. All right. And so what happens is sometimes we edify ourselves with I'm going to read scripture and we use the same language you already know. But there's some other language that we have that's a heavenly language that's meant for us to have and speak that language. Now, the concept is super simple. And the title, I don't know if I'll get I won't I promise you won't get to all this, but it says your brain needs mysteries spoken to it. That's the title. Your brain needs mysteries spoken to it. And I want to separate the brain from the mind or your thoughts, okay? So the brain is your muscle, right? It's your physical muscle. It's exact. It's identical to your bicep in that it does something or your ab muscles. I know all you have like nice tight ab muscles. The thing is there's, it's, it's a muscle, but then your thoughts are the overlay or the software of that hardware of your brain. And, and then tongues in scripture, it says that the tongues doesn't do your thoughts any good, but that it bypasses your thoughts. But we know scientifically that it has to hit the brain before it makes the mouth operate. That's what we covered last week. So your brain needs something spoken to it besides the language of this earth. Your brain needs something spoken to it besides the language of this earth. Most of what we get spoken into our life is cultural, you're awesome or you're awful, you're beautiful or you're ugly. There's these foundational this or this, good or bad, and and or then we get into religion and we're spoken a language of religion that says something to us, it's spoken to us, but it doesn't produce life, the abundant life. That we have a right to ask for, we have a right to live in, we have a right to have that abundant life relationally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and financially. And I don't mean extreme wealth, and I don't mean nothing ever goes wrong, but I mean an abundance in you being a human, in who you are now. And your brain has to be healed from those types of things. Now, your thoughts, I think this is why we need to bypass. I think the Holy Spirit needs to bypass our thoughts. Okay, so when you think, what you're doing is you almost are only thinking from your past. So you want a boyfriend. You want a girlfriend. Somebody likes you. All your thoughts line up of all your bad experiences you've ever had with a man or a woman. And so you actually respond to that person, not based on that person, not based on what's happening right now, not based on what God has said. You're, you're, you're lining up everything that anybody in a place of committed relationship has ever done you wrong. You're right here. You may not, you may not hate men or hate women anymore, but you act like you do because you're running with your thought system, your corrupted software. And what the heavenly language does, it comes in and it displaces that. 
When we talk about ruts and neural pathways in a, in a minute, I, I actually did a rant, about an eight-minute rant on Facebook. It's awesome, by the way. On this, I felt like the Lord teaching me in that area. But So as Christians, what do we base our relationship on, our future on, is the Word of God and the things of God. We don't base it on what I feel or what's happened to me. We don't base it on something bad happened to me or I did something bad. We base it on a visionary thing. But our brain, I mean our mind, our thoughts get so involved in there. This is why so many people in their 40s and 50s have left the church. People that have been in ministry, people that have had seen great things happen because they go into a new situation, and their leader, instead of just representing with their leader, having the Lord talk to them and being just, just with that leader right here, all the thoughts from your past, all the thoughts that every, every leader that's ever hurt you, every boss that's ever hurt you, you respond to them with that litany or that list of things that have been done wrong to you, and you respond to that person in front of you with that list, and you don't even know it. You're not even aware of it. Have you ever had an employee or a friend, or maybe you're this person, man, they're jumping from job to job because their bosses are all idiots. Well, if all your bosses are idiot, you might have to consider that you're the idiot. If everybody makes you feel bad, if everybody hurts your feelings, maybe you are the one that's the problem, not everybody who's hurting your feelings. And the thing is, is we don't realize that all of my thoughts of all the times my feelings have been hurt and out of shape are coming to the forefront all the time. And then I act on that way. I operate on that way. I do that thing that I don't want to do, but I do it anyways. And that happens... Because of how our thoughts are. And a lot of us struggle with this receiving a heavenly language or receiving a prophetic word or receiving a gift. Because we, we've already struggled receiving the things of the Holy Spirit. We've already struggled with receiving God's love. Why would, if you haven't received God's love, why would you want to receive his gift? If you haven't fully received it. Why would you want to receive a gift? I want you to hear that. If you really believe that God loved you, that Jesus loved you, and that you are completely 100% lovable, if you believe that, you would have an expectation that you're going to get some gifts, some goodness towards you. So if you don't want to pursue and you're not pursuing spiritual gifts, it has probably something to do with connected with your thoughts about how much God doesn't love you, even if you're telling people the story of how much God loves them, you're not receiving that. So there's some belief work that needs to go in there. We are supposed to go beyond the range or the limits of what we can imagine. I don't mean in super goofy, awful ways of God's going to... You do these fabulous things, and I'm going to, as a 57-year-old, I'm going to be playing for the Texans next season. You know, but we have those type things, and those are ridiculous, insane things. But there's, there's this medium right here where we keep getting safer and more comfortable in our life. We go so far away from the supernatural. We go so far away from the impossible because we're afraid of this over here of people being super weird. But there's a, there's a spot here that's comfortable, that's religious, that's a rut that we don't want to be in. And we want to we we edge always towards the edge 
of them possible. Each one of us. We're not asking the church to do it. We're not asking Stevie to worship or Les to preach better. We're asking the Lord to do it in us so that we show up differently. Not so we start ministries. So that we show up as his kids in that way. So this is what happens. This is, this is why I think tongues is so important. I'm going to try to describe this. So you have thoughts, right? Y'all, y'all having thoughts right now as I'm talking? You are. You had thoughts driving here? I didn't want to get up. I can't believe I'm here. I'm tired. Or this is going to be great. We have the best pastor in the world. Something like that. Stuff like that, okay? So there's all thoughts you're having. You're having thoughts all the time. In fact, it's something like twenty to 60,000 thoughts you're having every day. So you just take it down to 20,000 thoughts. That's a lot of thoughts. And you're seeing advertisements for just tens of thousands of things. If you drive from my house and you hit 249 and you just drive here, there's probably 100 advertisements, not including an advertisement on every car you see with their Ford or Hyundai or Subaru Signia and your clothes and your shoes and whatever you have on. So our mind has a hard time, but there's this brain. And when we respond with our thoughts, we almost always respond outside of the mind of Christ until we redeem our thoughts and they become like the mind of Christ. But this is what happens. This is what we forget. Every thought, once you see this, every thought, it does this in your brain. And it etches out a, a, a rut. Did you know that it physically etches out a rut? It's like taking a little tiny... We had cutters um, when I did youth years ago. They, they, we'd take, you'd take a paper clip, and you just rut here. You just rut, 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 rut. You can make an A over time. You just cut yourself a little bit at a time. You rut, and there's a scar there, right? But there's something that every time you think, I'm an idiot, scar. When your parents first treated you poorly, I'm not worthy of love, boom. Scar. You, you just, and it's over and 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 over again. And you have a lot of hope for love. You have a lot of hope for attention. But there's this thing going on, and you're just boom, 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 boom. And your first boyfriend dumps you for somebody better looking. I'm not worthy. I'm not good looking. Your second boy does something horrible, and boom, 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 boom. And then you start treating men really bad because you're not worthy, so they're not worthy. Anybody who likes you isn't worthy. So boom, 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 boom. Your first husband's awful. Boom. So the rut is so deep. So when you do get saved, you do start walking in a certain way. A lot of times, all these things in our life go well, except for in that rut, when we come before a man or a woman or a pastor, a father figure, when our father, that we had that rut from our father. So we don't trust any father figures. We don't trust any counselors. We don't trust things. And we think it's always them, 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 but that rut. So our brain, our physical muscle stores our thoughts and releases our thoughts all the time in that area. So when tongues bypasses your mind, but not your brain, I think there's a healing or a feeling in of those ruts. And what happens, we often live in those ruts. Shame is a rut that we live in. Condemnation is a rut that we live in. Religious thoughts is a rut, are ruts we live in. And a rut is, a, is, a, is, is basically a grave with both ends kicked out. That's where your dead flesh lives. That's where dead men, your dead man, your dead woman, your dead self lives. And you're listening to a dead person, your dead flesh, talk to you. And if somebody walked up to you and they were, you know, they were 30 years dead and they were stinky and they were creepy, you'd freak out and run away if they spoke to you. But when they speak into your brain, you're like, whoa. That makes a lot of sense. 
All women are horrible. All men are wicked. You can't trust any pastors. Everybody is blank, blank, blank. Everybody's mean. Everybody's out to hurt my feelings. And that comes from that spot with your, your muscle has been practiced to do that thing. And we have muscle memory. So we have a guy. He, some of you guys know him, Louis Reisky. And he is a... He's a tank of a guy. He actually moved to Houston, Texas to play in a league they were trying to start years and years ago, a football league. And not a very talkative guy. He was telling me one day that he um, – this is funny. I haven't saw this story. I don't, he, he won't mind. that they, Him and his buddy, like in Illinois or Indiana, would get a little bit drunk, and they'd go to the fair, and they would get, you know, pay a certain amount of dollars to fight the bear. I'm like, what do you mean fight the bear? He goes, there would be a bear – with like like his like with things on his paws and he had the nuzzle on you go in there and if you could get him down and pin him in, in so many minutes you got some prize money, and so he I mean this guy's built though but he can go a whole year without working out he's got forty years of muscle memory in his body so you guys we have that with our bicycle we ride our bicycle so much we get back on it we ride we're like oh I don't know if I can do this all of a sudden you're riding a bike after ten years right. But we, we have that. We have the same thing when it comes to relationships. We have the same thing when it comes to God. God the Father. Oh, man, that freaks us out because all the Father figures we've known have been bad. Holy Spirit's nurturing and loving and teaching and compassionate and convicts us. And all we can think is, <gasps> all that voice of my mother or the, uh, that, that part of this has is, is always been condemnation and shame. And it's a muscle memory. It's that thought there. And we've got to fill that in. And that, that, that rut... So when we talk in Scripture, and, you, and I, I'm not going to give you all the Scripture references, how do you destroy a stronghold? You take every thought captive. You take every thought captive. So there's a stronghold here that's rut, is built up, line upon line. How do we learn? Line upon line. How do, how, 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 do, how, do, how do we learn in a negative way? Line upon line. It builds right there in that rut. Right there in that rut. Right there in that rut. And guess what? The devil doesn't build any strongholds in your life. Did you know that? He has no right to your promised land. You build the strongholds, and the devil then sends, people, sends devils, demons to be in that stronghold. You build the strongholds. You build the stronghold of shame. You brick it up. You put it there to protect yourself for some reason, and then the devil sends his people in there. So think about that. That rut is a stronghold. So when we talk about a spirit of poverty, when we talk about a spirit of, a, of, of, of anything we're talking about, there's a problem in that area, okay? There's a problem in that area. I hope you guys can identify some of those areas in you. We all have them. And even as they've been filled in, sometimes, sometimes they're not filled in deep enough and we react again to them. We see, it, we see it a lot. We just don't know what it is. We just think that we can't do anything about it. And if you ever hear yourself saying... I can't do anything about it. That's a lie from the devil from a stronghold in your thinking and in your brain. That's a stronghold of the devil. When you think God loves everybody except for me, that's a lie from the pit of hell that's been, that's been, that's been set in your stronghold from the list of your experiences when you've heard nobody loves me. We've got to work through those things. And I... I'm a little bit amazed at the adults I talk to that say, I had to do blank. I had to quit my job. I had to tell them off. I had to do this. Have you ever had a kid do that? I had to punch him in the face. Or I had to steal because I didn't have anything. 
I had a kid years ago say, I, ha- I had to steal from the vending machine because I didn't have a snack. Super logical to the kid, but we do the same thing. I have to. I have to say something. This is the deal. <clears throat> if, you, if you have to say something to somebody, then what you're saying is I don't have power over myself. And that's not true either. And when you say I can't say anything to anybody, that's not true either. That's a lie. You have power over yourself and control over yourself. But there's that track there running in your mind. All the time, running in your mind, that's telling you, that's dictating. That's the old flesh, gener- not, not being regenerated. So what happens, we often don't like to go into ministry. Why? Because then things are exposed in our own life. Our own strongholds are exposed. Our own fear is exposed. Our mental, our mental um, ruts are exposed. And people are like, man, you're stinking up the place. But that we should go, that's awesome. Help clean me up. I mean, think about the demoniac. The demoniac is totally crazy, naked, chained up. Jesus shows up. He gets totally set free. Everybody's afraid of him, but he gets totally set free. He's like a wild animal. He gets in front of Jesus. He gets totally set free. I don't know if it's later in the day or the next morning. He's like, I want to follow you, Jesus. And what does Jesus say? No, start a ministry in less than 24 hours. Why? Because all the ruts in his brain were cleared up. Boom. And, but we, can't, we don't depend on just work of the Holy Spirit like that. There's our part of taking every thought captive, every thought captive, every thought captive, every thought, the small thoughts, the small thoughts. You know, there's so many people today who don't mind their pennies. When I was a kid, like Taco Bell, when it came to Grants Pass, Oregon, 1977, like, 19 cent taco special, man, I collected my pennies. Pennies, nickels, and dimes. And in Oregon, they've always had like the, the, the glass bottle and the cans are like five cents. I mean, I knew. I walked four and a half miles into town sometimes. I knew if I would walk into town and take a bag, I could have like $1.50. I'd go by the safe. I think it was a Safeway, and I could get money, and I could eat a Taco Bell because I mind up my pennies. But a lot of us don't mind our pennies now, so then we're like, I want wealth, I want wealth, I want wealth. But we're not budgeting. We're not, we're not giving. We're not working maybe 20 hours more a week. We're actually doing less and less and less at our jobs. We're not like praying and seeking the kingdom and saying, God, I want more, bigger, better. Yes, I have this. I thank you for this, but I want more, bigger, better. But there's this thing in our mind that pennies don't matter. Speaking in tongues, little things like speaking in tongues don't matter. Pennies, now it's dollars don't matter. I hear people all the time, well, it's only $87. Well, it's only, you know, it's only $180 a month for my cable. I'm like, yeah, but you can't pay your electrical. So the dollars, all those small things of the kingdom really work for us. And we can watch out for those things, okay? We can do those things. We can be those people. You can be those people who are watching over that and you're being aware. And you're not ashamed when something comes up negative. That's a horrible thing. We're not supposed to be ashamed. The, the Holy Spirit convicts, and then what do we do? Then we convict and condemn ourselves. It's, that's not even the devil. All he's doing, when he hears us say, he's like, yep, yep, I'm a loser, yep. I can't do any good, yep. No man will love me. No woman will love me, yep. I can never get a better job, yep. I've, I've failed as a blank or something, yep, you have. And it's never God saying, yeah, you have. And if the Holy Spirit is ever convicting you, it's always like, yeah, this is awesome. Because with his conviction, with his revelation, comes a potential and the promise that he's going to help you get something more. All right? So you have these things in your brain called neural pathways. 
And those are the things that you, the, the crevices you do. And the, these are all the thought processes come through here. So you have a brain. It's like a transport system, maybe a subway, I don't know, not a subway sandwich shop, but more like a, you know, a, a, a railway thing or, or circuitry in a board or something like that. And, and you, your thoughts come into that. And people are constantly wanting to identify you as who you are. And a lot of us still walk around as adults identified by the tra- trauma or the words of our parents, of our siblings, of or the tragedy that happened to us. And you've heard some of me about a high school dropout, spirit of poverty, things like that. You've heard that right there. And, and it's a surprise when people start identifying you as a different way than your thought system is. And God says, I want to bless you here. You're like, oh, no, I'm not worth being blessed. You don't know me, God. I'm not worth being blessed. It's coming out of this dead spot. It's coming out of this grave. I want to really challenge you to check for that stuff. Check for that stuff. It's there. Your friends, even people in this church, know where it's at when you speak it. When you speak about your sickness, people know that's coming from a dead place. When you, when you speak about your future, that's coming from a dead place. But you've got to want to invite some of that hope in there, invite some of that content in there, invite some of that. So, now... One of the things I think that we make a mistake with speaking in tongues is we think speaking in tongues is a phrase that we repeat over and over and over again. But, but speaking in tongues is not just a phrase. It's not a paragraph. It's not, a, it's not a, a, a bunch of sentences. It's not a book. It is an entire language. I want you to tell you, it's the language of heaven. When, when God speaks the universe into existence... He didn't speak Greek or Hebrew or Spanish or Latin or English. He speaks in a, in a tongue, a language that he taught the angelic force before we were ever, before we were ever birthed, before we were ever designed. There's a, there's a language that's there. And then there's a language that's again spoken that the mysteries is spoken at Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And we have a rich history of 2,000 years of Christianity for the Methodists and the Lutherans and almost every denomination has deliverance of demons, speaking in tongues, miracles, healing, manifestations, um, dreams, ecstasy, people like they were on the drug, ecstasy, actually having these experiences that were mind-blowing that completely shifted everything in their life. Each church, including the Catholic church, the movement of monks, all, all of these things have this thread of our rich history of the things of the Holy Spirit throughout it. And we, at our peril, ignore that. And that's where we're going a lot with this idea of, uh, of revival and the presence, base, the, the, the presence of God being with us. Now, I'm going to share the set. There's seven functions of language. And if you want these seven functions, you can, I mean, there's, there's, there's five or six or seven. It depends where you look. <clears throat> the first function of language is instrumental. Language, language is the primary instrument we use to express our needs and to get things done. Language is instrumental. It's an instrument that we use to say, I want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. It's the way to commun- It's the instrument we communicate. Remember the brain and the vocal cords and the jaw and the tongue and the lips all form words. We did an exercise last week. You can't. You need all four of those to make any intelligent sound. So the brain is instrumental. I mean, I'm sorry. Communication, a language, is instrumental in that. If you, if you, if you are not 
being made aware of what's going on in heaven through a heavenly language, then you're using an, uh, English or Spanish to communicate, to try to be communicated to through Scripture, through teaching, through kind of a clumsy way. And your intellect might get something from it, but often your spirit doesn't get anything from it. So in, in tongues, it's a language that's an instrument to actually deliver us something to express to us something that's inexpressible in our language. In our, and, and I'm just going to use English as all languages now, all right? Because we all speak English in here. So there's a function of the language of tongues is as an instrument to speak something to us, all right? The second thing, it's regulatory. One of the functions, the second, langu- the second function of language is regulatory. Our language regulates the activities around us. All right? You, your, your, your mouth is the best way to regulate your kids, right? Yeah. Don't do that. Do that. I expect this. We have a 12-year-old. It's mostly done through texting. No. A lot of it's done through texting. So it regulates the things around you. Did you know that your mouth speaking English can regulate your blood pressure? If you start, oh, I hate them, they're horrible, or this world's going to hell in a handbasket, well, that voice that you hear of your own does something and regulates in a negative way your physical body. And we, we see in the Bible where sometimes that bitterness that's not just hidden in the heart, but that's spoken, we hear that and it decays our body. There's things that we speak, but if, if that is true, if we know that language regulates those things, then why not allow the language of heaven to regulate how I feel about myself? Why not let the language of heaven regulate how I operate in my life around me? Isn't that a much better place to pull from than from all your memories, than from all your experiences? You know, this is one of the things we've done in church for you, and I've done it, man. I, I was addicted to reading books, the next thing of what to do, and you read a book, and this is what I have to do, this is what I don't have to do, things like that. But once I quit reading, once I quit going to conferences of how to do anything, it helped a lot. I still go to conferences. I'm going to one in November, but I'm more careful now to hear a different language. So the third, the third function, it's inter- interactional. It's that language contacts others. You're seeing a space movie and a spaceman comes down. What's their big deal? It's this communication, right? Imagine, imagine the... The settlers coming, um, the pilgrims coming and landing on the East Coast, that, that a group of people, they've never seen that skin color group of people, and they've never heard that language before. But in due time, they learn that language. So there's, there's something that's interaction, interactional in our language that if we don't have language together, we won't ever get to know each other. We'll never grow closer. We'll never, we'll never feel like brother and sister in Christ. We'll never feel connected. There'll be no growth and in intimacy. If you go overseas and they have a language that you don't know, but you know a little bit, anywhere I go in Spanish, I talk in Spanish, you know, I've got a cat, I've got a dog, I've got two kids, I do this, I'm from here, my wife is this. You know, you have like 20 minutes of conversation, and then everybody just like realizes this is going to be too hard, and you're exhausted already, so you don't even try to speak it. But the language is still going on around you, right? And a lot of times when we're in church environment and things like that, we use a religious language. We use a protective, shame-driven, religious, church-oriented language instead of language of the kingdom. 
when somebody says, when somebody says, oh, I did blank last night, we're like, oh my God, you did what you should, oh, you need prayer, you need deliverance, instead of going, welcome to being human, and then lead them into what the Lord is saying. But we have all that this language, this language helps us make contact with other people. And who should be better at the English language and interacting socially than you and me? Nobody. Nobody should be more comfortable in an uncomfortable position than you and me. Why? Because we're his kids. Because we're hearing the mysteries of the universe. While it's confusion here, I'm hearing something else that's not confusing. While there's hatred here, while there's racism here, while there's sexism here, I'm not hearing any of that. I'm hearing another language. I'm hearing a whole nother way of looking at everything going on around me. And I walk in peace in that situation. I do not have to bow my knee to that. So tongues, I mean, don't get me wrong. We should be reading our scripture and studying our scripture on a whole nother level. You have scripture where they'll email it to you. They'll Facebook it to you. You can read and listen to the great preachers for the, since radio started. Radio preaching started in the early 1900s. You can listen to 100 years. You can listen to everything Billy Graham ever recorded. You can listen to everything Smith Wigglesworth ever recorded. You can read all of this stuff for 100 years. And you can read the best histories and the best insight, best insight into the last 2,000 years of Christianity. But what we do, we spend our time with our Kardashians and the Texans, and Fox News, and MSNBC. I know, I, I always get on that stuff. I'm sorry. You guys shouldn't, you guys shouldn't have to hear that again. Well, I need to hear it again. So there's interactional and all this other noise of the news, of what our friends say. Who cares what your friends think? Who cares? They're not giving you any money. They're not giving you any help. They're not doing anything for you. They're just telling you what they think from their limited past of thinking, from their list, from their rut. Unless that friend is me. That's a joke. The The fourth function of language is personal. So we interact with people, but we use language to express our feelings, opinions, and our identity. What's the bigger problem right now than identity? We should stop complaining about transgenderism and all the, all the different pronouns and stuff like that. And we should start thinking, what's my identity? The church has allowed identities to be stolen because we've said your identity is in a, in a religious box. All right? And I'm, not, and I'm not at all saying that that's not a spiritual issue. I'm not at all saying that's not a problem. I'm not at all saying that. But for us, our identity matters. You can't hardly, I see it with Victoria's seventh grade class. All girls went to turn at me yesterday. Tons of girls and everybody in a blue outfit kind of looks the same when they're 12, right? (laughs) We went to your school, by the way. They have a big plaque, a big picture of you. Kidding. Herman the Bear. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bear branch. And um, so the thing is, is that. You can see their identity right there, and you can see if you see the ager, they, they're taking on an identity. I'm going to be the good girl. I'm going to be the bad boy. I'm going to be the guy that makes great grades. I'm going to be this. We start identifying instead of the core identity that comes from the language of heaven, I am his son or daughter. Your language identifies you. Your language identifies you where you're from, what you know. Don't you think your heavenly language will do the same? Your heavenly language. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, you can't. I, I, when you're speaking in tongues, you're edifying yourself. 
And I, I don't think this is scriptural, but I think it's true. I'll put that out there. That when you speak in tongues, you can actually, as you get more and more familiar with the language, you can actually then interpret. And I did that a few months ago. I spoke in tongues and English tongues in English. That's the first time I've ever spoken tongues in front of, on a microphone because of my own hang-ups about some things. Um, so it's personal. The, 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 five, the fifth one, function of language, is a little bit odd. It's heuristic, H-E-U-R-I-S-T-I-C, H-E-U-R-I-S-T-I-C. That means that language helps you to learn something or discover something that you could never know without that language. So it's heuristic. So I can know. So what, what, what's, more, what's more knowing something that I can't know than to, than to learn the language of heaven? Think about that. When did, when did all of the world start transforming? Is when the Gutenberg Press in the late 1400s started printing books. And then, and then in the, in the 15, early 1500s, the scientists in Scotland could make a little book, and then the scientists in Greece could read that book, and then the scientists in China could read that book, and then they could write what they know from these guys with net, without ever meeting them or knowing what they did except for the language they used to describe it. So we, when we learn a language, the language begins to reshape something in us. We're able to learn something about our environment. What we normally do, we go into church... And we're like, we access the environment with our own knowledge, with what we already think. You know, and then if we say, hey, well, God, what do you think? We usually respond to ourselves and tell us what God thinks instead of waiting. There's this language that goes on with our spiritual tongue that actually gives us information that we can never have before to know things we could never know before. And, how, and I, I think that's for business, that's for science, that's for counseling. That's for marriages. That's for everything. Then the, the, the sixth one, there's one more. Well, the, the sixth one is kind of lame compared to all of them. It's, uh, it's representational. Language is representational. So language conveys just simply facts and information. So if you're, if you're getting the language of Fox News, of CNN News, of sports news, of ESPN, of the world's a horrible place. Everybody's a racist. Everybody's a sexist. Nothing's going well. Nothing's ever gone well. We're at the worst part of our life. It's more divisive than we've ever been. If you're getting that language, it's conveying what you're thinking are facts. But when we begin to pray this heavenly language, we begin to get a download that represents something completely different. We get other facts and other information we get to see differently. And how many of you know you live a lot better life if you're seen with a bright-eyed, cheerful, joyful, faith-oriented future? You really will. You really will. And you get to choose. You choose, is my life good or is my life bad? And if you choose my life is good because the Lord says it's good, then you'll go a lot further towards your peace and joy than... My life is bad. I do not care what Scripture says. I do not care what the Bible says. I do not care what God's trying to get across to me. I will put myself up as the voice of the small g God for my life rather than turn it over to the God of Scripture. This last one is imaginative. Language is used to tell stories and jokes and to create an imaginary environment. All right, now our language of the day, our language of Snapchat, 
our language of Facebook, our language of Instagram, our language of Twitter has created a language used to create an imaginary environment where we've never been this racist before. When in fact, statistically, we've never been less racist in all of our years of history. I don't know if you knew that. In fact, that we the, the language of those four things I just mentioned creates an Im- imaginary place where women have never been safe, never been more at risk of being abused. When it's actually that it's gone down drastically for about forty years. Every everything they've ever done, it's gone down. Violent crime has gone down. The chance of your kid getting kidnapped has gone down, 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 down. The chance of you being killed has gone down, 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 down in a murder. The chance of you being killed in a car wreck has gone down, 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 down. But what we see, we hear news all the time. All the time. We, we drive down, I hate that they do this, 4,786 deaths on Texas roads. What they should put is 87 billion cars drove in the last six months on Texas roads and only point zero zero zero. I'm making up all these numbers, by the way. Don't think I'm this smart. Point zero 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 one percent have died, and a big part of them from driving drunk or high. So the thing is, when we when we have that, we 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 are imagining in a wrong sense and wrong use of imagination. We are supposed to imagine beyond our imagination. In order to imagine beyond our imagination, we have to have a language of imagination that's not our language we're currently in. And I'm on Facebook a lot. I'm trying to get on Instagram, but I can't figure it out. I love email. I love tech. I love all of that stuff. I think it's. I think technology is wonderful. But we are called as Christians to redeem it, yeah. not to gobble it up and to use it all the time and just to engage in it. And so we sh- we really. I mean, we really. When we're on Facebook, I want to challenge you: don't scroll anybody's page on Facebook. Look at something. Read it comment on it look at something read it com- you know how slow you'll have to go you know how you know how much better you feel if you're giving input in people's lives if you go i can't believe they're going through that message them call them text them don't don't you you're, you're just you're just wasting your time when you scroll and you know something about somebody that you don't need to know all right so really that 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 is creating a language in a space in your brain and your imagination that is not needed now i think with tongues so, and this is, this is kind of new to me, but when I speak in tongues, I'm not just speaking in tongues as a mumber. And I, I'm okay with speaking in tongues just like you're like on the sideline over here, but your, your mind is still racing. Because you can do that, by the way, because your mind's not actually engaged. It's like riding your bike. You don't have to ride your bike going, pedal up, pedal down, pedal up, pedal down, pedal up, pedal down, pedal up, pedal up, pedal up, pedal down. You're not, you're not doing that. What you're doing is, in tongues, your, 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 your brain's not engaged. I mean, your, 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 your muscle, your, your thinking is not engaged. So you can actually speak in tongues. But more and more, as I engage and submit my thoughts under the layer of the gift of the Spirit, then it enhances my experience and in in what I get out of speaking in tongues. And did you know... I'm going to conclude here that in language, you can say, if they say, hey, who went to the baseball game with you? And you said, you said, Judah, Stevie, Herman, and David. Judah, Stevie, Herman, and David. You can say it really fast. I probably, Judah, Stevie, Herman, David. 
But you can't say all four of the words layered upon each other at the same time. You're you're unable to say even David and Judah at the same time. Try it. You just put two words together. You don't say, you you can't, it's impossible. So if you're accessing the spiritual language, it's bypassing your thoughts, but then you make a choice to engage your thoughts. We have it in scripture later on in 1 Corinthians. That's why we, that's why we worship in tongues and we worship in, our, in, in English. That's why we pray in tongues and we pray in English. It's a both. And if you will submit your words, your language to the Holy Spirit, it will push out the layer, the layer of the thinking that you're having that's causing so much condemnation, that's causing so much grief. Your body... Your body was not created to walk in the amount of stress that you walk in. Your mind, your muscle of your brain, your brain, not your mind, your muscle, not created to hold some of the garbage that you have holding in the ruts and storing in the thought system. We weren't created for that. It begins to wreck our bodies. I'm pretty sure that's where all the, a lot of the old age stuff comes from is that we, we've just worn ourselves out with all that heavy, that heavy stuff upon us, all right? All right, so stand up, and I'm going to just end right here with a prayer.